Welcome back to the In God She Trust podcast. I am your host, Kitri Cooper, and I'm back, y'all. I took some time off. I don't even know when the last podcast came out. Um, I think it was in like June sometime. I don't know. Um, let me look it up because I know it's been a while. <laughs> um, yeah, June 28th was the last time I released anything. Um, so, yeah, hello and welcome back. Thank you for listening and thank you for being here. And if you're new, welcome. Hello. Uh, this is just a podcast uh, where if you are learning about Jesus or walking with Jesus and you're figuring out life and you want to continue to study God and get to know him better, and if you're not exactly sure what you're doing and, you know, all this other crazy things that life throws at you, yeah, this is platform for you. Um, because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing half the time either. I just know I love Jesus and I want to do what he has called me to do. So hello. I don't even know if this is technically season three. Um, I don't even know. I don't even know if I'm going to do seasons. I might just keep rolling with it and just keep doing just episode numbers. I don't know. We'll see. Don't know. Anyways, hi. So it is right now when I am recording. It is first week of October. I don't know when this is going to come out. I'm really not sure. Y'all, my life is so crazy hectic right now. It's crazy. Um, But the summer was good few months off was amazing um just a lot happened (laughs) a lot happened um some stuff I just am really really excited about um first and foremost I got engaged I did I got engaged yes thank you thank you you know how sad that is that I'm like alone recording (laughs) and I did and I did that myself. Anyways, but yeah, Kayla proposed. It was amazing. He took me on this ridiculously hard hike uh, up a mountain, and he proposed at the top of the mountain, and it was amazing, and we are getting married. I'm so excited. Um, just continue to keep us in our um, in your prayers. You know, we've got a lot of moving parts and a lot of things, and he's moving and trying to find a job, and he's trying to find an apartment or possibly a house for when we get married and all of this stuff. But um, the Lord is so good, um, giving me Caleb, and you know, I've I've prayed for years to uh, marry the man that the Lord has chosen for me, and I actually get to live out the faithfulness of God. And it's just an absolutely beautiful thing. So I am just very, very blessed. And I am excited to become his wife. He is amazing. He is my best friend. And he is definitely my greatest blessing this side of earth. So I'm super excited. So yeah, that happened um, this summer. And, you know, just the Lord has just been um, being so soft and gentle and patient with me this summer. And, um He's just been revealing things to me in scripture. Okay, for example, okay, this is something that the Lord revealed to me. Um, I was going through Hebrews. Literally, I'm pretty sure it was like, not last week, but the week before. I was sick on a Wednesday. I had like some weird stomach bug thing. Um, and the Lord had me in Hebrews 10. And I was just reading 
And then I came across something and it just kind of stopped me in my tracks. And whenever I like something just like whenever my eyes just get stuck on a piece of scripture, that is usually an indication that the Holy Spirit wants to teach me something there. So I was just kind of looking at it and I was just like, what are you trying to show me? And then like in an instant, um, the Holy Spirit just like downloaded a bunch of stuff into my brain. So I'm going to share it with you. So we're in Hebrews 10 verse 19. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new way of living through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. So the part that got me stuck was verse 20, where it said he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. Boom, that is through his flesh is just what I just got stuck on. And I was just like, curtain what curtain and then instantly the lord showed me um jesus symbolizes so many things in the old testament um just so many things i mean we always know that jesus is the 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 blood of the lamb and he is a lamb who you know had to be sacrificed and all of that stuff but the lord just showed me the curtain tearing the moment that christ gave up his spirit and the holy spirit just took taught me that Jesus's flesh was the curtain. And so when his body was broken and he died, when that curtain tore, it was because his body tore, his spirit tore, right? And so the curtain in the tabernacle, in the temple of the Lord, that curtain was huge. They said uh, that they would put two horses on either side of it, pulling it, and it was so thick you could not tear it in half. Like it was impossible to tear this thing in half. And um, the priests, before they crossed that curtain, um, had to give a blood sacrifice and had to cleanse themselves because when they passed through that curtain, they were then in the sanctuary known as the Holy of Holies. And that is where the Lord's presence resided. And you could not pass the curtain if you were not a high priest and a high priest only. And you had to do the cleansing and the sacrifices. There was so much that these high priests had to do in order to go to and through um, that curtain into the Holy of Holies because the Lord's presence is so sacred. If they did not do anything, they would just instantly drop dead, right? And so they would offer a sacrifice, a sin offering, you know, they would shed the blood and then um, they would be able to pass through this curtain and it was only a high priest. Well, Jesus was the curtain. So when Jesus was sacrificed, all of the sins of the world were laid upon him. And because he did that, he opened the curtain so that the we could go before the Father and be with him without having to do all of the ritual sacrifices and the cleansings and all of that. Jesus' blood was enough to cover every sin. And so that's also why Jesus, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. 
was because no priest could get into the Holy of Holies except through the curtain. It was only by the blood of the lamb and going through Jesus do you get presence with the Father. And I had just never seen it that way before. I had always known, you know, the lamb and all of that stuff. And um, so I was like, good grief, that is so cool how, like, Jesus symbolizes everything in the Old Testament. And I was just thinking through things, and then the Lord revealed that the parting of the Red Sea is also a symbol of Jesus. And I was like, okay, how's parting the Red Sea of that? And he said, you know, I was bringing my people from slavery into freedom, but they had to pass through the water in order to get to freedom. And Jesus is the living water, but he parted the Red Sea so they could go from slavery to freedom. They walked on dry ground and it was, you know, what would would have been impossible was made possible because of the Lord's power. And so just all these amazing, amazing things that, um, that the Lord has revealed to me. Um, so that was just really an, an awesome blessing. Another thing um, that I learned this summer was um, I know the Lord's voice a lot more than I previously had thought. And I know um, when the Lord is discerning something to me now um, that it is him and it's not just me. Um, I really got to know his voice and the discernment of the Holy Spirit upon my spirit. Um, there were, you know, there were some times often, um, actually for these last several months, where I had felt the Holy Spirit just laying something on my spirit and just discerning something to me for a while. But I just, it was too weird for me, um, that, that feeling of like discernment. And I, I, I was like, well, maybe I'm just being weird or maybe I'm not really hearing it or maybe I'm making it up. And then, um, the Lord showed me graciously, um, that it was him and it was his voice. And so, um, yeah, I just really got to just be more confident in knowing I know my shepherd's voice. I know the the voice of my shepherd and the voice of of strangers. I will not follow. I think that's like John ten one. I'm not sure if that's John ten one. I'm not sure. I know it's in John somewhere. Um, but I just really got to be given peace about a lot of things in my life. And the Lord has just once again shown how faithful and how amazing he is and um, how he will comfort the brokenhearted and how he will really, because he loves us so much, he will discipline those that he loves because he wants to bring us back into relationship with him. And he just continues to show me why he is to be revered and why he is to be respected and why he is to be feared. And once again, we, I I talked about this in like that lion one is that the fear of the Lord is not a fear as in like you would fear someone breaking into your home or something like that. It is the fear of being away from God's presence or God's presence being away from you. Um, because Okay. Okay. Holy Spirit. So I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to talk about getting too comfortable with sin that sometimes we just masquerade them as inconveniences. 
And so scripture says that we are to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. And God hates sin. And he loves people. Um, Proverbs 13, 5 says, The righteous hate lying, but the wicked bring disgust and shame. So if God hates sin, we have to hate sin. If God loves people, we have to love people. Well, how do you do that? But the biggest thing that I feel like he is wanting us to, to kind of explore today is like what in your life have you gotten so complacent with that you don't even recognize it's a sin anymore? Ooh, I felt that. What in your life have you gotten so complacent with that you don't even recognize is a sin anymore. And um, I have to be honest, there's some some time this summer where I started making like just these little compromises, you know. And um, once again, because the Lord is gracious, he kept going, uh-uh. He, you know, he was like throwing up the the buzzer on that. And he was like, no, 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 no. And, um, I had to just be like, okay, Lord, I'll, um, I'll do it your way. I, you know, because ultimately these tiny little compromises will essentially and eventually lead us so off course. What might start off as a very, very small, you know, let's say a little white lie. Then it has to build into a bigger one because the truth was not told. And then because you you said that little one, then it has to be a bigger one. And then you have to try to remember that one. And so then it's a bigger one and a bigger one. And then eventually you realize that you are so off course from where you originally started. But the Lord is gracious. And when he gives you that discernment, that feeling in your gut that you're not doing something that you should be doing that, or you shouldn't be doing something this way, or sometimes he discerns to you that you should be doing something that you're not. That's also a big thing because sin is not just doing something we shouldn't. Sometimes sin is knowing what we should do and not doing it anyways. That is still the same thing. It's still sin, right? And so I had to, you know, repent and I had to turn back. And I was just like, Lord, thank you so much for your discipline and for bringing me back. Because the Lord just plain and flat out said, if you keep doing this, you're not going to be able to do it in your own strength. You're going to fail in your own strength. And then you're going to come back crying to me, wishing that you hadn't done it. So I was like, okay, yes, Lord, absolutely. You know, so I got my, got myself back on track. Um, and so I think the biggest things, you know, that, the bit that, what am I trying to say here? The biggest thing is, is that you have to continue to kill your flesh daily. And a lot of people will ask, well, well, you know, I, I need to just, you know, kill my flesh first and then I can start going to Bible study or I have to get better and then I'll go to church or I have to get better and then I'll pray or I have to get better. Your flesh is going to be here until you die. 
You are going to have to deal with fleshly you every single second of every single hour of every single day until you leave this earth. Okay? So get it, it get get your spirit right with the Holy Spirit. And you'll know, trust me, when that flesh comes back up, trust me, it will rear its ugly head. And you'll know, but you, you have to just continue to kill your flesh. You have to continue to just let it die. And here's the thing, there is absolutely nothing in this world or that Satan can flash in front of you that can be dripped with enough gold and glitter that is still not better than the blood of Jesus. There is nothing in this world, nothing and no one is compares or even comes close to a drop of the blood of Jesus. That was another thing that the the Lord had um, revealed to me as I was reading. I've been reading through First and Second Chronicles, and it's in the Old Testament. And like most people, just kind of like reading through it would be like, oh, okay. It's like it's a bunch of lineages, and it's just like telling what certain kings did. And it's just amazing to me because First and Second Chronicles really go through the line of David. They go through all of his sons and their sons and their sons and their sons and all of these stuff. And it just shows how people have even kings, how Israel has fallen and then gotten back up and then fallen and gotten back up to the God and fallen and, you know, fallen away from God, get back to God, fallen away from God, get back. Just this up and down roller coaster. And it's so funny because like when you read it, you're like, oh my gosh, can they just get it together? And then you realize that you are also Israel that have fallen away and then gotten back to God and fallen away and then come back to God. So anyways, can't be hypocrites. (laughs) So I was reading through first and second Chronicles chronicles and it was I think King Isaiah Isaiah I have no idea but there was like a really 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 bad king beforehand that you know sacrificed his children to Baal and erected all of these idols in the temple and shut the Lord's temple and all this stuff is really really bad um and um then this the next king came back and They reopened the temple. They built it back up to where it was supposed to. They made sure everything was great. And um, they put everything before the Lord, you know, in front of the altar that it was supposed to. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I'm just going to read it. I have to find it because it's, it's really significant. Second Chronicles. Is it 27? The Lord said, had done. I don't know. Hold on. Give me, give me one sec. Give me one sec. I need my Bible Bible because it's written in. I need my Bible. Got to get my Bible. Oh. I'm just going to find it. See, this is why I like paper, I like paper Bibles because I write in mine. I highlight mine. I tat it up. It is tatted up. Okay, it was 29. I was like three chapters too far back. All right, y'all. So let's look at the S. Let's look at the S. So um, this is the cleansing of the temple um, from King Hezekiah. It was King Hezekiah. 
cool. Um, he wasn't the bad king. He was the king that was like, you know what? We need to get right before God again. So this is a clen- cleansing of the temple. So this is for, or not for First Chronicles. Oh my gosh. Second Chronicles 29. It says, then the Levites stood up, bunch of all of these names that I will butcher, so we're going to not do that. Um, it says the priest in chapter, no, or verse 16, the priest went to the entrance of the Lord's temple to cleanse it. They took all the unclean things they found in the Lord's sanctuary to the courtyard of the Lord's temple. Then the Levites received them and took them outside to Kidron Valley. They began the consecration on the first day of the first month, and on the eighth day of the month, they came to the portico of the Lord's temple. They consecrated the Lord's temple for eight days, and on the 16th day of the first month, they finished. Verse 18, then they went inside to King Hezekiah and said, we have cleansed the whole temple of the Lord, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and the table for the row of bread of the presence and all its utensils. We have set up and consecrated all of the utensils utensils that King Ahaz rejected during his reign when he became unfaithful. They are in front of the altar of the Lord. And something that I felt like the Lord spoke to me is sometimes we can take things and turn things made for God and use them for our own evil. We must repent, cleanse them, and once again lay them at the altar or the feet of God so that we can once again use it for God's glory. So King Ahaz rejected the Lord and became unfaithful. And so pretty much everything in that temple was tainted because of how the, the, the king that came before King Hezekiah um, responded, was unfaithful, used them. And these were, these were things that were given, you know, to the people that, that we could go before, you know, the Lord and use all of these things. And it was like, sometimes we can just take the very things that God created and gave to us for his glory. We can turn for evil and use for ourselves. And like the biggest thing that kind of comes to mind is like all of our, like, um, and this is not a knock on like just secular music, but just think of how many celebrities only use their gifts of like singing or anything like that for their glory and to bring them higher. Now I'm not saying that secular music is bad because I listen to secular music, but when you only use your giftings for yourself, it's an idol and it's a, it's something that you worship. So like Beyonce could still sing secular music, but it's how she's only using her talents and her gifts to glorify herself. And she's also into like a lot of other weird stuff. So maybe that was a bad example. However, that's, that's kind of, um, that's just kind of what comes to, to mind. And then further on in second Chronicles 29, where it's renewing the temple. And, um, 
where they 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 were slaughtering and giving sacrifices and it says so they slaughtered bulls so this is in verse 22 of the same chapter verse 29 so they slaughtered bulls and the priests received the blood and splattered it on the altar they slaughtered the rams and spattered the blood on the altar they slaughtered the lambs and splattered the blood on the altar then they brought the goats for the sin offering right into the presence of the king and the congregation who laid their hands on them the priests slaughtered the goats and put their blood on the altar as a sin offering to make atonement for all israel for the king and for the king said the burnt offering and the sin offering were for Israel. And all in all, they, uh, they, they sacrificed a lot of animals. We're talking a lot of animals. It says the number of burnt offerings the congregation brought was 70 bulls, 100 rams, 200 lambs. All of these were for a burnt offering to the Lord. 600 bulls and 3,000 sheep and goats were consecrated. It says there were not enough priests and they weren't able to skin all the burnt offerings, so the Levites had to help. And I was thinking, that is so much blood. (laughs) That is immediately where my mind went. I was like, that is so much blood. Could you just imagine, like, the blood of all those animals just sprinkled on the altar? I don't know if, like, they had to clean it off after every time they sprinkled blood or if it was or if by the end of all of those animals that altar was just covered in blood from the animals and then the lord just said to me all of the blood from all of those animals and every single animal for thousands of years that was sacrificed their blood all together still does not even come close to one drop of christ's Every single blood splatter from every single animal still did not even come close to the blood of Christ. And so that just humbled my spirit. And that is why the curtain is so important, the tearing of the curtain. Or else, if we did not have Jesus that died for us, we would still have to sacrifice goats and sheep and lambs and bulls. We still would. And we would not even be able to go into the presence of the Father. Only the high priest could. And so Jesus being the high priest is the one who goes to the Father and intercedes for us. But he tore that curtain so we can go boldly. Where it says boldly in Hebrews. We go boldly before the throne of grace. We don't have to go to God just shriveled. It says we get to go to him with boldness. Here's the thing. If there's something in your life, like what I was talking about, if there is a sin in your life that has become more of an, you know, it has become just so normal to you that you don't even know it's a sin, he will reveal it to you. He probably already has. It was probably the first thing that popped up in your brain. I have no idea. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, is that you need to put that at the the feet of God and you need to put that on the altar and you need to kill that thing because essentially it is going to keep you from God. That's all sin did is separated us from God. And if Jesus did as much as he did in order to get us into the presence of God, you need to lay it at his feet because nothing is worth losing Christ over. Nothing. If the Lord asked me right now, oh, 
I like it makes my stomach drop just speaking it out loud. If the Lord asked me right now to give up Caleb, I would obey. Would I absolutely hate it and I would have no idea why and would I be torn to shreds over it? Absolutely. But I know who my God is. And I know he sees what I do not. And I know he is who the one who blesses. He shows mercy on whom he shows mercy. And so I know that obedience to him is more important than anyone or anything in this world. Obedience to the word of God is the purest form of worship. I don't care how many songs you sing in church. If you are not obeying the word of God, you are not worshiping the, 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 the Lord. I'm going to say it again without stuttering because I feel like it's a very strong statement. I do not care how many songs you sing on Sunday morning in church. If you are not obeying the word of God and taking everything in that Bible as his authority and you are not obeying it, you are not fully worshiping God. And I know that's a strong statement. But I think that the Lord would rather us obey him fully than sing another note to him. I actually think that he... I don't want to say despises or hates it, but I think it saddens him to his core to see people in church on Sundays worshiping him, singing songs to him, but their hearts never obey him. Because it's meaningless without the heart. There's a song that says, hell is not afraid of a Sunday faith. What is that song? Yeah, what is it? Let me look it up. Hell's not scared of a Sunday faith. It's called Monday Morning Faith. It says, hell's not scared of a Sunday faith if it only leads to empty praise. What really makes darkness run is when the saints, (gasps) excuse me. Oh, I just lost it. No. Where it is. Here it is. What really makes darkness run is when the saints arise and praise in quiet on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday to know you, to love you, to choose you first Thursday and Friday and Saturday to see you, behold you in worship. That's exactly what it is. If all our faith ever consisted of was church on Sunday, we'd be screwed, fam. Because that song is so true. Hell is not scared of a just a Sunday faith. The devil doesn't care if you just go to church on Sunday if you do nothing throughout the week that shows that you actually have faith. If your life doesn't have fruit. If your speech is tainted. If you treat people like crap. If you speak death over people. If you speak death over yourself. If you, if you hold unforgiveness. If you hold hatred. If you're a liar. If you're a gossiper. And that's a consistent thing. I'm not just saying like you screw up once because that's why we have the grace and the mercy and the blood of Christ. 
because I am not going to get it right as long as I'm in this fleshly body. I am going to mess up. But the difference is, y'all, is are we continually doing the same stuff over and over again and asking for forgiveness? Or are we really going to actually sacrifice our flesh and obey the word of God? Devil don't care if you go to church just on Sunday. What are you doing Monday through Saturday? That is what matters. How are you living your life? How are you speaking? What is the fruit of your life? Because the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting another one. I always do. So that's what we have to be focusing on. And <laughs> sin never feels as good as righteousness does. Sin never feels as good as righteousness does. And if you are a believer in Christ, you are righteous. I know that sounds real churchy. Don't get it twisted when I say you are righteous. You are only made righteous because of Christ. You and your own flesh and you and your own works does not make you righteous. It is only by the work of the Lamb that does. But that is why we get to become we get to go boldly before the throne of grace is because Christ made us righteous. So whatever you have in your life that the Lord is asking you to give up, don't hesitate. Do it now. I can attest that I am standing in the blessing of my obedience that I did two and a half years ago. I am standing in God's faithfulness right now. Was it two and a half years ago? Yeah, two and a half years ago. In like March or April, I can't remember. I think it was April. The Lord told me to leave a relationship that I was in, that I had been in for two and a half years. The Lord told me I needed to leave, and I knew I needed to leave. And I, he had been telling me for about two years to leave. And I had disobeyed. And I had... A lot of things that happened because of my disobedience. But because I laid my flesh down, I sacrificed my flesh, and I obeyed the Lord, I am standing in the promises of God right now. I am engaged to a man I, have, I, I, I love more than I have ever loved any man. Because it is pure, it is godly, it is beautiful. And he is sent 100% by God. And I know for a fact that the Lord gave him to me. I prayed about that man and over that man so many times. Because I didn't want him if he wasn't from God. I said, Lord, I want to be married. But I don't want to be married more than I want to be close to you. And the Lord continued to give me peace over this situation. But I never would have been where I am now if I did not obey. God will, God's time is circular. It's never linear. It's not like if you miss it, you'd never get it back again. God's timing is circular. So if you miss it, time will come back around. However, you can 
you can't put off the, the, the purpose of your life that God has for you due to disobedience. And I know I did. There's so many times I thought back in my past where the Lord told me to do something and I did not obey. And it took years off of my purpose and what the, the Lord wanted to have for me. Did it bring me closer to God? Absolutely. Can I ever get that time back? No, but the Lord is still putting me in my purpose and in my promise according to his will. And if I would have stayed in that relationship, I would not feel how I do now. It is so much better to obey God than to not. Obeying your flesh feels so good for a second, and then it's gone. And what does the devil do the second you give into it? Why did he do that? Can't believe you. You're such a horrible person. You knew you weren't supposed to do it, but you did it anyways. You're just so horrible. Shame on you. That's what the devil does. He entices you into doing something you know you shouldn't. Let's you feel good about it for about 20 seconds. And then shames you again and again. I don't know about you, but that is not how I want to live the rest of my life. Because <laughs> I said this a long time ago. I don't know if I ever said it on the podcast, but I know I said it to, to the Lord. I said, Jesus, I said, you owe me nothing. Jesus owes you nothing. Because the cross was everything. But I, I remember telling the Lord, I said, Lord, this was right after, this was while I was in therapy, but I was getting better and I was, I was getting really close to the Lord and I just really felt his presence and his peace. I was content with where I was at. This was, I, this was before I met Caleb, I believe. I said, Lord, you do not have to do anything else for me in my life. I don't care if I never get married. I don't care if I ever have babies. I was like, I could literally stay exactly where I'm at for the rest of my life. And it will be enough for me because you are enough for me. And y'all, when you hit that place of nothing else comes close to Christ, that is true freedom. And yes, yeah, sacrificing your flesh hurts. Laying down certain things that the Lord is asking you to. It hurts. I'm not going to lie. And it's going to feel like he disappointed you. And sometimes I feel like the Lord purposely disappoints you because he's trying to see where your priorities lie. He's trying to see where he lies on your priority list because it should be number one. But when you make it number one, he blows your mind with how good he is. Once again, he doesn't have to do anything for me. He saved me from myself and he saved me from utter destruction. I could have been single the rest of my life. Would I have been a little sad? Yeah, but you know what? The Lord is enough for me. Obedience is the purest and truest form of worship. Obey him. Do what he says and you will not even, you won't even be the same person in six months. Take me up on that. I bet you, you are not the same person in six months 
if you obey immediately and you lay down your life and you start getting in your word every day and you start just praying and just say, just Lord, just make me more like Jesus. That's another song I found this summer, y'all. Oh my gosh, you've got, to, you have got to listen to this song. It is literally called More Like Jesus. It is by One Voice INT Music. And it is beautiful. And it is just, that, that is exactly what I've just been talking about here. It's such a, a good song. Um, it talks about how, you know, the world just says, you know, just do what makes you happy, but it just makes you a slave to yourself and to sin. But I want to be more like Jesus because that is where I have found the most peace. And it's not what you get out of God on why you should become a believer in Christ. I don't know if there's people who listen to this that aren't. Jesus is not just a a good way of dying just to get out of hell. He is the best way to live. The word is not, Jesus is just not knowing how to die well, but he is learning how to live well. I'm telling you, sin does not feel as good as righteousness does because Jesus paid that price and nothing comes close to it. Yeah, I think that's it for today. It's going to be a short one. Well, shorter, you know, for me. (laughs) Anyways. Um, But anyways, y'all, yeah, I just really feel that... That's what the Lord wanted me to hit on. What do you have in your life that is a sin that you've gotten too comfortable with? Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Put it under the blood. Watch him just knock your socks off. Anyways, I love y'all. I will see you next time. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.